Because it comes from a heart that says, Lord, I love you. And there's no one else I can thank God for my life today because of you. You and I, are not, you and I cannot make it today, here today, if it's not because of the Lord. At one moment, our life can just be snuffed out like that. You've heard a lot of stories. And so we're here because we're grateful for what God has done in our lives. And also, at the same time, we also look for time for some inspiration and hope. So we know what to do for the future. And thank God for your faithfulness in following me as we study the book of Galatians. And those of you who are joining us for the first time, the book of Galatians is one of the books that Paul wrote to the churches in Galatia. And the churches that were in that area went through different struggles in their lives, especially in terms of what it meant to be saved, what it meant to be a child of God, what it meant to be assured that if we die, we know where we're going. And so he gave us this book of Galatians. So we're right now in Galatians chapter 4. And remember last time we talked about uh, what it really meant to be free to become children of God. So just a little bit of a review here. We said we are going to make some choices. So let me make sure we understand this. We all have to make some choices. Every time we come even to church, you made some choices today. Am, Am I going to... Wake up in, early enough to be in church on time or need a few more hours of sleep, all right? You made those choices. Or sometimes you're just driving on the road and all of a sudden the light turns yellow. Should I beat the yellow light, red light, so I can make it on time, all right? And I know my wife is looking at me because it's just like... So I make some choices, all right? Or maybe to some of us, somebody just said something and all of a sudden you, it just irritates you. Your choice is like, do I snap back? We make choices, right? Or maybe right now you're saying, do I really want to listen or am I? We all make kinds of choices. And by the way, nobody can make this choice except you. So if you want to be miserable, you will be miserable. If you want to be blessed, you will be blessed. It's a choice you all make. Now, Paul gave us another choice right now, just to remind ourselves, because we will go over this again, because over and over again, Paul is reminding us, we will all have to make some choices in terms of our spiritual life. Notice what we were saying, Galatians chapter 1 to Galatians chapter 4. We were saying in the past, we live under the elements and bondage of the world. Paul said, remember this? You were always trying to work so hard, do everything on your own strength to gain God's favor. You were trying to perform. I have to do this to make sure I may get some brownie points from God. Or even to the point of saying, I don't need God, I'm going to use my intellect to make my own decisions because I am the ultimate authority. We live under that kind of bondage because why? No one of us can perform on a 100% basis to please God. None of us. Paul gave that example. He says, you want to become a, a spiritual guy? Follow my example. He says, I was doing this. I persecuted people. I was a scribe. I was religious to the point you can say he would be a super religious guy. And Paul said, none of these things can gain God's favor. What else? He was telling us once again, as we're going to study today, it's easy for us to fall back into this trap when you realize you already needed to be saved by faith. You're going to make a choice. Will I follow all the religious practices? By the way, why do we like to have all these religious holidays? Are we doing this to gain God's favor? And some people think I need to observe all these rules and holidays and observance. Maybe by doing this, I will appease God. Paul was just talking about that last time too. And by the way, he will repeat it again. He will repeat it over and over again. And notice he gave us a choice. You can either live this way, 
Or you will leave us what? We have been talking about this. What does it mean to believe as children of God? You will no longer be under the bondage of the law that tells you I have to do all of this to gain God's favor or will I be freed by grace? Something that you and I don't even deserve but because of God's mercy, he gives us his son. Why did he give his son to us? Not because you and I deserve this. Because of God's love and grace. He says we can only have this by what? By faith in Christ because he alone can fulfill the law and none of us can fulfill God's law. And therefore, we need help. And God says, my son has done this for you, and all you need to do is what? Accept it by faith. He also tells us, when you become a child of God, you become an heir. In other words, you become children of God, not because you were born as children of God, but because God has adopted us. We talked about that last Sunday. And then lastly, God tells us, you can have an intimate relationship with God, and only that can happen when you have accepted Christ in your life. You see, the world today wants to know God. All religions want to know God. But the question is, does God know them? And Paul addresses that question today. All right? So if you join me right now, let's go read uh, Galatians chapter 4. In reverence to God's word, let's all stand. All right? And let's read this together. If you got your iPad with you, you, you can do that. But I'm using a translation here that we can all join together. It's a modern translation, Holman uh, Standard Bible. So read with me and let's read this in unison uh, as we continue our series. Let's read it together. But in the past, when you didn't know God, you were enslaved to things that by nature are not God's. But now, since you know God, or rather have become known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and bankrupt elemental forces? Do you want to be enslaved to them all over again? You observe special days, months, seasons, and years. I am fearful for you that perhaps my labor for you has been wasted. I beg you, brothers, become like me, for I also became like you. You have not wronged me. You know that previously I preached the gospel to you because of a physical ailment. You did not despise or reject me, though my physical condition was trial for you. On the contrary, you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself. What happened to this sense of being blessed ahead? For I testify to you, if possible, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? They are enthusiastic about you, but not for any good. Instead, they want to isolate you so you will be enthusiastic about them. Now it is always good to be enthusiastic about good, and not just when I am with you. My children, I am again suffering labor pains for you until Christ is formed in you. I would like to be with you right now and change my tone of voice because I don't know what to do about you. Wow. This is Paul writing the letter to the book of to the church in Galatians. Let's pray. Lord, I pray once again that your word will become real to us. Maybe to some of us, this may be the first time for us to go through the book of Galatians. God, I pray that you would just open up our hearts and minds so we'd understand the dynamics behind the churches, the Lord, that really wanted to follow you. And yet there were people who still came back to their old ways. God, we're not exempted from that. We know it can be easy, easy for us to turn back again to our old ways. 
So Lord, help us to understand what it really means to be following you. I pray, Lord, for your servant today. Help me, Lord, that I would be able to give your word with clarity. And I pray for those who are listening to your word, dear Lord, that they'll be able to receive it with open hearts and minds. Like the seed that is there, that is planted, will grow. It will bear fruit. And Lord, those areas that may not be clear, I say, that may need to be explained in a way that would be understood. I pray for your spirit, that you'll be the one to fill those areas that needed to be understood, Lord, because of you. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. All right. One of the things I want to share with you about Apostle Paul, at this point, I am starting to enjoy what Paul is going to be doing to us right now. Because in the last four chapters, he was dealing with doctrinal issues. What does it mean to be saved? What is the good news, the gospel that we hear over and over in scriptures? He tells us the gospel is Christ died, he was buried, and he rose again. And the only way to be saved is by what? By faith. Nothing that you and I have done, but only what Christ has done. And by the way, that is what he shared with the churches in Galatians. And he was concerned because there were false teaching coming to the church. At one point, they have embraced Christ. And now they're trying to go back because there were false teachers saying, you guys, you think you're spiritual just because you've accepted the Lord? That's not enough. It's not enough to have faith in the Lord. You still need to do these things. And all of a sudden, they added things on people's faith in the Lord, saying that is not enough. By the way, folks, anything, anytime you add anything to the gospel of Christ, anything, any kind of works to what Christ has done on the cross, you're saying, Lord, what you've done on the cross is not enough, and therefore I need to add to this. Let me share this with you. That is the false gospel. Listen carefully. Why am I saying this? You've heard it over and over again from Paul. And now again, he's repeating this so that you and I would get it. We need to, because if you don't get this, everything about your faith in God breaks down. Because you're thinking that you can gain God's favor on your own merit. And now we're going to repeat it over, over again. And by the way, at this time, thank God, last time he was dealing like a theologian. Guys, this is what the Word of God says. This is how we reason out with this. This is what the Word of God says, the law. He reasons out from the intellect. So you and I can be convinced from here, from the mind. All of a sudden, he makes a little change. You know what's nice about this? He now starts to speak from his heart. He speaks like a pastor. You know, I really appreciated one time last, Pastor Chris, I'm going to put in a spot over here. You know, when he started to speak from the pulpit here, I can hear him preach as a preacher. But there was a time I saw him says, guys, I love you as a pastor. That is a pastor's heart. Paul said, let me speak to you right now from my heart. So from now on, for the rest of the chapters, he becomes more personal and practical. So if you have been hurt by your pride and everything you've been holding on to, and it's been broken apart because you were thinking you can honor God. Now God said, Paul says, all right, now let me speak to your heart as a pastor. Okay? So notice what he was sharing as a pastor of the heart. He says, guys, I'm really fearful about you. Because of all this false teacher, you are now going back. You are now going back to your old ways of trusting yourself and adding all these requirements to gain God's favor. You are already free. And now you want this here? He was concerned about that. He was even concerned by saying, 
Was all that I shared to you about what it meant to put your faith and trust in Christ? Was that all in vain? In the Philippine word, it's sayang. What is sayang in English? Waste, right? I, I know somebody said it's like this. Right? I don't know. Have you ever expression? When, when, when the Filipino goes like this, what's that? Sayang. Anyway, it's like that. All in vain. I've done all of this, and you guys haven't gotten it? He was so concerned. And right now, he makes a, an appeal. Notice what the word says here. It says, but in the past, when you didn't know God, you were enslaved to things that by nature are not. He was trying to make sure we understood this. But now, since you know God, or rather had become known by, oh, I love that. You tried to know God, but now God already knows you. Here is the word, and folks, I am also hurt by this as a pastor, as a leader, when this happens. How come you are now turning back? You're turning away from the Lord. You're backsliding. You know how that happens? So gradual. You may miss one church one Sunday. The next time says, oh, it's okay, two Sundays. Oh, I'm going to miss reading my Bible. Later on, you see this person just drifting slowly away from the Lord, and you don't see them anymore. Has that happened? Have you seen people like that? I've seen people like that. It hurts. And you try to talk to them about the Lord, and it seems like they are just callous. Turn back again to the weak and corrupt elemental force. In other words, they're going back to their old way of life, thinking that this old way of life of bondage, of trying to gain God's favor and trying to find all the satisfaction in life, it's all empty. He says, I already told you guys, this will bring you nowhere. But yet you still want to go back to your old ways. Listen, I care about you. And therefore he talks about this. Do you want to be enslaved all over again? You already have been freed. You want to go back to this again? He was, and look at what he says. I'm fearful for you. In other words, I feel like almost to the point says, I'm almost even to the point of saying, are you sure that you really are a Christian? Are you really sure that you've been born again? Are you really sure that you have accepted Christ? And yet you want to, I'm fearful for you. Because I don't want you to remain there because this will condemn you and you're going to make it to hell. This will never bring you to God. He was fearful. Notice what he says. And perhaps my labor for you has been, wow. Folks, when I see things like that, I feel my, my pain goes there. Because I've dealt with people, I've told them about sin, about where they're heading for, and people still make the wrong choices. You know what? I can make those choices, but my heart goes out for them. Because you feel like if only you knew the plan that God has for you, and you still choose this elemental part, these things that you already know is going to take you nowhere, and you still want to go back to the wasteful life, so what does he do? You see this word, I beg you? Now, folks, when you are a spiritual father and leader and you beg somebody, what does that tell you? That is painful. In other words, for me to beg my child, for me to say, Anak, I love you, I beg you, I beg you, my brothers. What an appeal, what a humbling thing to say, 
Please, if you cannot accept all these doctrinal statements, can I beg you from a heart that says, I love you, and I beg you. When your parents tell you, Anak, mahal kita, and I don't want this to happen to you, I beg you, don't make this decision. You better listen, folks. They care about you. They don't want to keep you there, but they want to make sure that you make the right choices. I beg you. What does he say? Oh, become like me. Well, I could say, Paul, he must be so proud to become like me. What does he mean by that? And for I also became like, become like me because I became like you. Does that make, does, is that confusing? Become like me, become like you. What does it mean? You know, but when you think about that, put it this way. Paul said, I was a Jew. I was a person that was legalistic. I had all the spiritual requirements. And by the way, this was bondage. I couldn't live up to this, and they even added more to make sure I tried to be spiritual. And by the way, guess what? I was freed. And now I stay with the Gentiles. I eat with you guys. They told me in the past, I cannot even sleep, uh, eat, and have fellowship with the Gentiles because they were unclean. I became like you. Did you notice that? In other words, I was freed from this because God saved me. Now I can love anybody. Became like you. For I also became like you. In other words, I became a person that has been freed. However, what he was saying, you guys want to go back to where I was. You know what I'm saying? Guys, what's wrong? And so this is what he does. He was saying, let me go over to the point over there. Look what he's saying. I beg you. He was, he was appealing from his heart. He even said in 1 Corinthians 10, 1, I beseech you by, by meekness. He was trying to be gentle. Please, I want to love you guys. I don't want to sermonize you anywhere. I'm pouring my heart for you. I'm telling you as a pastor. And so what does he do? The very first thing he does. He appeals to their relationships. And folks, the nice thing I like about Paul was Paul said, you guys, I'm not, trying to, I'm not angry with you. You haven't wronged me, but my heart goes out for you. That's the kind of relation Paul said. I love you so much. You think I'm angry while I'm saying this? I'm not angry with you. I'm concerned about you, that this kind of direction would lead you to, to nowhere. Notice what he said also here. I want you to look at an example of John Wesley, one of the well-known leaders of the Wesleyan Church, right? Think about this person. John Wesley was a clergyman. He was a, a minister. He had orthodox beliefs. He was faithful in morality, good works. He ministered in prisons, sweatshops, slums. He gave food and clothing. He had education. He observed Saturday. Listen to this. Saturday and Sunday. He would go to church on Saturday. You guys just go on a Sunday. He goes to Saturday and Sunday, right? Not only that. He, uh, he, he sailed to England and America as a missionary, he studied the Bible, he prayed, he fasted, and gave regularly. Does that sound like a great, great person? Notice what he says. Yet, I'm sorry I put it in red. All the time, he was bound in the chains of his own religion because he trusted in what he could do to make himself right before God. Rather than trusting in what Christ has done, he later came to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He was a religious guy. He was doing this, doing this himself. 
to gain God's favor until he realized he needed just to plainly trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, that's what Paul is saying. Don't waste our time trying to do all these things to think that it will gain God's favor. No, but he's saying just trust in the Lord. So let's continue what, where he wanted to go with this. Notice what he's, he, he's willing to say. Let me appeal now to your remembrance. I want you to look at this verse. You did not disp- oh, Let me go back to the other one. I'm sorry. Look at verse 13. You know that previously I preached the gospel to you because of a physical illness. Paul had an illness. What kind of illness was that? Let's, let, let me continue. You did not despise or reject me through my physical condition. Let me ask you. Do you think Paul was good looking? Some people say, How do, what does Paul look like? You know? I tried to do a little research. Some people think he was a short guy, bald, maybe cross-eyed. Well, somebody even said in this because they're wondering, notice here. He says, through my physical condition was a trial for you. In other words, there was something about Paul's outward figure that was not presentable. Somebody thought that maybe he had a thorn in the flesh. It could have been an eye problem. Conjunctivitis, some people think. Some people had cholera. Some people think he was epileptic. What happened to him? Remember in one of the places, he was beaten and stoned. They thought he was dead. Left out there. If you were stoned and left to death, how would you look like? He probably had disfigured nose and mouth and ears. There was nothing beautiful about him like the book of Isaiah about the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing nice about him on the outside. You know what he's saying? Guys, you were not attracted to me because I was good looking. Like the other pastors here. Right? Another pastor over there, right? Nice clothes. He says, you were not attracted because of my appearance, because of my attainment. You were attracted because of what? Because I shared with you Jesus Christ. That was the most important thing. You received me as an angel, as though I... In other words, you didn't look at my outside. You wanted me because I was representing Christ, and I gave you the gospel story that can set you free. What happened to this sense of being blessed? For I testify, if, if it was possible, notice what they said. If it was possible, Paul, we would have given up our eyes for you. That's how much they love Paul. Even though he was not good looking. Even though he was not presentable. Now, I want you to look at verse 16. How I now have become your enemy by telling you the truth. Now, folks, there are times that a pastor and a pulpit like this will say things that you don't like to hear. Uh, he's talking about me. Well, if God is hitting you, it's like, batu batu salangit. You know, it's like how they say that in English. If somebody throws a stone and it hits you, it means you're being hit. It was not meant for you. The Holy Spirit may be speaking to you. But when you tell the truth, let me share this with you, it hurts, right? The truth hurts. When my wife loves me, she will tell me the truth. And boy, the way I'm telling you, it hurts. My pride likes to say, mm-mm. You're like that too. I'm just saying, isn't that true? Because they, they will say things. But because they love you, who else will tell you? Nobody will tell you. They don't care about you. They won't tell you. But the truth hurts. He said, because I'm telling you the truth that you've been trusting this thing here, and it hurts. And now you were here, and you're turning back, and I'm telling you, this is wrong. It hurts. Folks, that's the, that's the kind of relationship Paul had. He was willing to tell them the truth. 
And so, by the way, folks, if there are people here right now who doesn't want to come and hear the word of God, because the truth hurts. When you're living in sin, you don't care about spiritual things. When you're in sin, you will justify everything that you're doing. Everything will be justified. Tell me somebody who has fallen into sin, there's always a justification, and they will avoid all forms of truth. That is a deception. So Paul says, I'm giving you truth. It's painful. Now you call me an enemy? I'm not your enemy, Paul says. I care about you. I love you. That's why he appeals to that relationship. What else does he do? He appeals to the determination. Uh, what, what is motivating you? Look at verse 17 and 18. They are enthusiastic about you. Who are this? The false teachers. The people who are Jewish people who are telling these Christians, saying, hey, you need to become like this. But for any good, instead they want to isolate you so you will be enthusiastic about them. What was the motivation thing of false teachers? He says, by the way, you guys, Christians over there, you need to be over here. Why? Because we're more spiritual. You know, if you just pray more like us, if you read the Bible every day for a whole year, if you fast like us, you know what? Probably you will be better than those Christians over there. In other words, it's so, it's so subtle. You just do this thing here. And by the way, you want to be more spiritual? Let me tell you how. And therefore, you're trying to place these teachers to make them feel as, make you feel as though you were more spiritual than those other Christians. What a bunch of baloney. None of us can be more... So folks, when I tell you to read the Bible for 365 days, don't you go around saying, Oh, by the way, Pastor, I read the Bible, the whole Bible, three times. How about you? Have you? Ah, you haven't read the Bible, right? You are starting to become legalistic now. When all I share to you, read the Bible, so you would love to know more about God, you become more like Christ, it becomes an outflow, not because it is a requirement. When you give, if you're not careful, you say, oh, by the way, I know I'm giving 20% of my tithe, no longer 10. How about you? What are you giving? You become legalistic. All of a sudden, you're trying to use your performance. None of this will gain God's favor. And by the way, that's what this false teacher was saying. Let me add to that. What else was Paul saying here? He says, they want to exclude you from those Christians. In other words, he's saying, folks, when false religion comes in, they would make you feel like you're exclusive. You're better than other people. And they will exclude you from the other Christians. Saying like, those other Christians are not like us. And so they have a sense of superiority. They will exclude you. We got the right stuff. Because we have all these trimmings here. But then he says in verse 18, he says, be zealous for what? The things that are good, the right things. Put your heart in the right place. So why am I serving God here? Because you love the Lord. Because you just want to obey him out of a heart that is grateful. Not because you want to gain his favor. He already loves you. But this is an expression of your love. Say, Lord, I give because I love you. I come because I want to honor you. Why? Because you love me so much and I don't deserve this. What else has Paul shared here? I want you to look at verse 19 because this part is where I am. I wanted to camp a little more. I want you to look at verse 19. He says, My children. As a father, when I call my children, my children, it talks about an intimate relationship I have with them. He said, my children, I am suffering some labor pains for you. 
until Christ is forming you. What he's saying, my children, listen, I have this pain for you. I care about you. I'm not here to destroy you. I love you so much that I have some what? Now, ladies, you know what labor pain is all about, right? And the only thing I can find closer to labor pain is when you have a kidney stone that needs to pass through. And people say that's, that's wor even worse. But I can't imagine what women have to go through. Because I've seen my wife when she has been through labor. You know what Paul is saying to us? Listen, the first time that you were birthed to become a child of God, we saw all the love and effort that God was using people so that you would love him. And now because you're turning your back on the Lord, I am laboring. What happens? Your birth was premature. Let me use another word. Your first birth, last, you were aborted. And now I have to give birth again to see you come back so that you will be born again. I am feeling the pain again. In other words, say, guys, can't you see? I've been to the pain to see you work from here, move from here to accepting Christ. And now you're going back again. I need to go to the same pain again. Say, this is how I feel for you. Because I'm feeling for you as somebody who appeals to you from a heart that really cares. Let me give an example. One of the things I, I realize as parents, one of the things that you don't want to happen for them is for your son or daughter to get lost in a mall or somewhere, right? I remember our son, you know, I think with my wife in one of the mall. We just told our son, son, just stay here, right? You know, don't go too far, all right? And the next thing you know, we looked around. Our son was gone. And my wife, you know, about that. We were like, Where, where's Andrew? I don't know. Where's Andrew? You could see our face like, whoa. For the first time, our son is gone and it's lost. You could see like we were like, what, like, what's happening? Like our whole being was impacted by the loss of our son. And we were really scared. We didn't know whether he was kidnapped, he was lost, but it took him. The next thing you know, we saw this security guard bring our son. And you see there were tears. You know, here my wife and I were looking at our son. From a parental viewpoint, I wanted to come and say, mm. I told you not to get out from here. Don't you feel like doing that? You could have been lost, you know, but you know, I'm so thankful for my wife. She kind of helps me with this too. When he came back, you know what the first thing we did? You know, we thought you were gone. Like, don't go away, right? Yeah, she could do it. I feel like. But at the same time, I had to learn from that. I feel like, yes, my son doesn't need the scolding. He needs the loving. And right now, that's how I feel about Paul. He says, guys, I already scolded you in the past because I care about you. I want you to know I love you so much. I want to care about you. I don't want you to go back. Son, I don't want you to be lost. I want you to be close with me. We love you so much. This is why we are saying this to you. That is the care of a loving father. And that's the example that Paul gives to us. He desires one thing from us. I want to look at verse 20 because this is so critical. Look at verse 20. What was his desire? Until Christ is what? Say together. Until Christ is... That's what it's all about, folks. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ... It is no longer I who lives in me, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself. That is Paul's desire that you now become like Christ. 
He doesn't want you to go our own ways. He's saying, listen, all I desire for you is that you would love Christ and embrace him and take to the world. He's the greatest thing that ever happened in my life. That is my desire, nothing else. My motivation is not to get any kind of acclaim. I'm not here to make you feel good about myself. No, no, no. He says, I want you to realize, I want you to experience that God is in the process of forming us to become like him. And so he closed with this statement. He says, I would like to be with you right now and change my tone of voice. You know what Paul's saying? When I write this letter, you don't see all the dynamics there. But if I can only come in person, I'm going to tell you how much I love you and care about you. Sometimes the letters that could be written can be read in different ways, right? Just that statement alone. Remember in Genesis, when God says to Adam, when he sinned, Adam, where are you? You can take it this way. Adam, where are you? Right? Or you can say, Adam, where are you? Folks, you can write something here, and you may not get the tone. But if I believe in Genesis, the father was saying, God was saying to Adam and Eve, Adam, where are you? He knew where they were. He was not there to condemn them. He wanted to love them. He says, you know what? Look what you've missed. But I still love you. And I'm going to restore this through my son, Jesus Christ. So in closing, here's what I want you to remember. It comes from a pastor's heart. It is a warning for everyone in the church today. Consider the results of turning away from the Lord. If you think you want to turn away from God, just one little thing, notice the result. You will be brought back to being enslaved by the world. What it tells you is supposed to give you satisfaction and honor and honoring to God. It does not. It will lead to slavery and to bondage. Second thing. Consider what turning away may mean. It could mean that if you start turning away from the Lord, that you were not a child of God after all. That could have been a conclusion. But I pray, no, Lord. I pray their turning back would bring them back like the prodigal son. To realize that the emptiness of this world realized, oh, I had it better. And God does not condemn us when he comes back. Like the son, he still loved on his son. Gave him the clothes, the ring. What a father. Third, considering what happens when you turn away from the Lord? What does it do with us? It isolates us from the God that we love and the people that love you. Show me somebody who is in sin. That person is away from the people that they love and care about. God and people around them. Folks, don't turn away from the Lord. So the question that also has to be raised, so how can I avoid turning away from God? Let me give you a few suggestions. Number one, Never forget that God loves you and he saved you by faith and by grace alone, by trusting Christ to save us. Remember that. You're not saved by your performance or, or religion. You're only saved by putting your faith and trust. Second, follow the right examples. People that will share with you what it truly means to become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Look for God examples. Be careful with the kind of people that you stick around with because they can also lead you away from the Lord. It's a warning, folks. And you better listen to what Paul says. Third, oh, don't you like this? Don't reject the people who are going to correct you out of love. 
They do that because they care about you. Children, when your parents correct you, because they care about you. They don't want to hurt you. When they say things, because they know they've been through those things in their lives, they love you. So don't mind being corrected by a brother, a sister, especially if it is out of love. What else? Verse 19. God wants to form Christ in us. Folks, his goal, that you and I need to become more like Christ. If you desire to become more like Christ, you will keep away from the things that will not make you more like Christ. Focus your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of your faith. So as we do this right now, let me speak out one more area. It may not be here. Folks, if we're going to be looking for a pastor for a church, we already have a couple of elders here. What kind of pastor should we look for? I will follow uh, Paul's example. Look for a pastor that desires to serve and sacrifice for God's people. We need to look for a pastor that has a heart of love, that cares. We need to have a pastor that is willing to what? Speak the truth. If all you hear is somebody's going to tickle your ears and make you feel good, stay away from him. And pastor search, if we're looking for a pastor who's just good in preaching and doesn't live his life and just wants to make you feel good, let's stay away from that person. He's not here to tickle you. He's here to give you the truth because the truth may hurt, but it's good for us. Amen? Remember that injection, you people, nurses, doctors? He gives an injection. He says, alcohol ah, makes you high. <laughs> but then he pricks that alcohol, you know, and he says, this hurts. It's painful, but it's what? It's good for you. But also, let's find a pastor, and here's the word I want to make sure, that he helps you become more like what? That should be the goal. Folks, if we're not becoming more like Christ, then we are not making, making the mark. We're not ma- making it to become good members of this church, good representative of GGCF, the name GGCF. No, we want everyone here to become more like Christ. That is the goal. Folks, because when we become more like Christ, then we will love God more, and we will love other people more. And we will love our family, and we will make a difference. Because it's no longer about us, but about him. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Well, every heads are bowed, their eyes are close. I believe you heard me speak this morning, trying to portray to you the life of Paul and his heart for God's people. He has a pastor's heart. The questions I want to raise for you this morning is this. Number one, have you come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Or have you been trusting on your own good works and religion and all the trimmings of being religious to gain God's favor? We know that this will never save us. This will never get God's approval. All we need to do today is to be humble enough to realize, God, I am a sinner and I need somebody to save me. And thank you, Jesus Christ, that you died in my place. And this morning, all I'm asking the Lord that you were willing to accept me, Lord, as I'm asking for your forgiveness, that I want you alone to be my Lord and my Savior. My desire is to become like you. If you ask that Lord to do that, he will do that in your life. He will make you his child. He will adopt you into the family of God. The next question is for those of you who are Christians today, believers, but somehow you're turning away from God. It may be just one step at a time, little little steps, not reading you God's word that is a love letter to you, 
not spending time in prayer to talk to him about your life and about your relationship with him. You're not willing even to serve. Or maybe you're going back to your old base of idolatry and all the things that you thought was good, and you're going back to the, the former world influence. My brother, my sister, you are turning back on God today. I pray that even this morning, the Holy Spirit will convict you and turn back to the right way. The Bible talks about repentance. Make a U-turn. says, okay, God, I'm slipping. I'm turning my back on you. But this morning, I'm coming back to you, Lord. I'm coming back to you, Father. I want your way, not my way. I want to become more like Christ, not what the world says. And lastly, this morning, maybe your desire today, say, God, I want to experience what it really means to be free. Maybe there's so much burden upon your lives. Today, would you please say, God, I got all these burdens. I got all these things I need to do with my family, my work. I got so many things on my shoulder. But this morning, say, God, I give them all to you. They're yours. Free me, the Lord, from carrying this burden myself. Because I'm yours and I belong to you, I give them all, Lord, to you. I'm willing to trust you, even for their souls. My brother and my sisters, if you do that this morning, you can leave this place feeling free. Free in such a way to love God. Free to be a child of God. Free to experience what it means to be forgiven by grace. Free to be whom God wants us to be. Not what the world says. Not what other people say. But what God wants to do in my life. So Lord, thank you for this morning. For the way that you have loved us. And for the way that you continue, Lord, to reach out to us. And this morning, we're willing to say, yes, Lord. I am yours. And thank you, Lord, that you love me. And now that you know me, and you made me your child. Lord, help me now to live for you. It is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the Lord bless you. If you need some more help in growing the Lord, uh, approach any of our, our elders, leaders. We want to be part of a small group. Even at the service, we'll be glad to talk to you more about what it means.